Hey everyone and welcome to another episode of Chalk Talk. We are excited to say that today's episode is actually our 100th episode, so it's amazing to know we have come that far. For our 100th episode, we will be talking with Coach Brez for our EDU style podcast and we're going to just talk a little bit about free weights versus machines. So we'll go ahead and get this started. This is Chalk Talk presented by Platform. Let's go. All right, as I said, our 100th episode. Happy 100th episode, Coach Brez. Thank you, that's uh, that's pretty wild. I didn't know that, actually. Yep, so there have been a lot of episodes, many with uh, the two of us, many with a lot of different teachers and coaches, so we're excited to be continuing the conversation and celebrate our 100th episode. So we are gonna talk about something that is a pretty old school debate and something that's probably a little bit more pervasive in physical education, and that is free weights versus machines. Um, it has a lot to do with actually just like the evolution of gyms and fitness centers and different things like that, but also then with what we associate certain people's willingness or ability to do. So it's not black and white. There's definitely a lot of gray area. Let's first probably start off to find what we're sort of talking about in those two buckets of free weights versus machines. I think most people will sort of know, but for the sake of the conversation, we'll kind of get out there and define the two buckets before we, we jump in. Yeah, that's fair because it is like a crazy old debate and it's raged for decades, but um, I'm sure most people understand at least visually in their head what they think about in terms of free weights versus machines. But to kind of sum it up uh, as it pertains to the discussion we'll have today, you can think of free weights uh, is anything um, that allows you to load a movement pattern. Um, so what I mean by that is it's an external object that can add intensity um, to a movement that requires your body to stabilize that load while doing whatever work um, you are being prescribed or asked to do. So a dumbbell, a barbell, uh, a medicine ball, something that is uh, basically added onto your body, but your body is not locked into any one uh, movement pattern. Gotcha. And I think that's a good delineation. Sometimes we just think about barbells and dumbbells, but you know, med balls, kettlebells, different things that are, are loaded. And like you said, I always remember thinking back to it of just things that you actually have to like really control. And they used to, you know, way back, and you're probably going to get into this, talk about like it's not just that targeted muscle, it's all the little different muscles stabilizing things yes. and doing things along the way, which is kind of a, a perfect lead into what uh, machines are, probably a little bit more targeted. We can picture some of the, the machines that are in fitness centers, in you know gymnasiums, in places that you know people go well past middle school or high school into you know their regular routines of maybe things that are actually a little bit more, a lot of times I think of it as targeted, mm -hmm. um, but I'll let you kind of jump in and what that definition is as well. No, yeah, you're spot on. I mean, when we're talking machines, it's we're talking about any apparatus that locks you into a fixed range of motion um, in which you are isolating a muscle or maybe a, a handful of muscles um, and you're focusing on exerting force with just those muscles um, while the machine keeps basically the rest of your body locked in place and does basically the stabilization for you. Yep. Um, so you can think of a direct uh, juxtaposition of you know that air squat that becomes a goblet squat because you can use a free weight, you can load it up. Like you said, goblet uh, or dumbbell, barbell, weight vest, whatever. Um, if you want to work the quads per se, you might hit a machine, which would be like your leg extension, leg curl, uh, in which 
the body is fixed and you are just moving uh, about the knee joint and the force is only being exerted by either the quad or the hamstring. Yep, absolutely. And other examples that I think a lot of people could think about are like a lat pull down or mm -hmm. a cable row or things like that. Um, we, we all had probably different machines that we're used to seeing or anything else. Good definitions going into the, the larger conversation because, you know, there are people that would probably say, you know, free weights are for these types of people and machines are for these types of people. So I think it's probably worth sort of getting into some of the pros and cons of both. Mm -hmm. And then we can sort of talk about probably towards the end of the conversation, the practicality of for a lot of us, you know, high school weight rooms or gymnasiums or fitness centers. So let's start with free weights. Um, we already talked about kind of what we have to do with a free weight. Are there pros to that and pros to kind of having to move with, you know, a, a free weight and control and stabilize and all those different types of things. And you already talked a little bit about the progression that we can follow through certain things. Talk us about some of the pros to using free weights in our training. Sure. I think arguably the, the biggest pro when it comes to the use of free weights is that it is built upon uh, the foundation of movement patterning. Um, so instead of being locked into a machine and isolating a muscle, you are uh, both learning and developing a an entire movement pattern, say the squat, say the hip hinge, or whatever the case may be. Um, and that's obviously more relevant to um, a lot of life or performance on a field of competition. So, um, you know, we obviously have spent a lot of time talking about the importance of the foundational human movements. So obviously that's a big check in the, the box of, you know, why free weights are a great tool because you can just take human movement, add intensity to it and develop from there. Mm -hmm. um, and as you said, I, I think important to note is that, you know, we think of squat as a, a lower body or more specifically like a leg exercise and uh, even more specifically kind of quad dominant. Um, and if you want to compare a quad dominant air squat or loaded squat with free weights with a quad exercise on a quad machine like the leg extension. Um, yes, you might be able to target the quads on the uh, leg extension machine, but during a body weight or any level of free weight squat, you're also asking your entire body to do a lot more work to stabilize the weight because you're not in a fixed range of motion. You're not in a fixed pattern. Your body has to work head to toe in order to control the weight so that you can use maybe your quads, a little bit of your hamstrings, your glutes to drive the movement up and down. So, yeah, and I think that's a good example because the other one I always think about is like a leg press machine mm -hmm. in terms of like you're actually in a seat, like you're sitting and really targeting your legs, which you'll get into the pros and cons of that. But to your point, if you have a, you know, a barbell even, or even a weight holding like a goblet squat, you're doing, you know, a lot of other things using your core. Just pure core, yeah, yeah. midline yeah. stabilization. And, and it's not like that's inherently better to own, like midline stabilization uh, is required to do something to work your legs. But if you're going to work your legs, bang for buck would tell you it's easier to also do other things at the same time. You yeah. only have so much time to do a workout. Yeah. Um, do you want to isolate, 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 or do you want to work a greater system? Sure. Um, so that's definitely a positive. I think because of that, right, if you think about the difference in total work done, right, just literal work in the physics sense, you're gonna have more work done by the body doing a set of you know, front squats versus the leg press machine. Um, and why that's important or could be important is if you care at all about caloric expenditure, weight gain, um, weight loss, 
you're going to get more work done with free weights in the same amount of time. So you'll expend more calories, but also generate greater gains in strength and muscle growth, et cetera, because you've done more work in the same amount of time. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that being said, right, those were all really important things. If we're talking about the pros of free weights as it pertains to you know our general audience, which is usually uh, high school, middle school, teachers, coaches, people that are involved in group physical fitness, um, the benefits of free weights, in my opinion, um, are almost wholly sat in the fact that they are way more versatile, they are way more cost effective, and they are way more um, or way less, um, call it a, you know, footprint, uh, taking within your gym. Mm -hmm. So you can buy a, a ton of dumbbells and do a, every movement pattern you could possibly want. If you buy one leg press, leg curl, leg extension, yes, you can do a great hamstring targeted exercise, but that's the only thing you could do with that piece of equipment. Yeah. And now it sits in your gym. So versatility, creativity, um, and then also you know, they take up a far less space and can be moved. So yeah, I think that's good efficiency point. with groups. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And, and we talked a lot about the evolution of things. Like there was a time where machines were super prevalent and people were using them probably more than they are now. And there are a lot of gyms that have almost come full circle and have been kind of pulling them out saying, well, now we have more room. And with a single set of dumbbells or kettlebells or med balls, we can get a lot more, more done. done. Yep. We can be efficient. Um, we can get that like bang for your buck in terms of also, we don't really have to service those. We don't have to make sure all the cables are lubed up and things like that. And I don't, I don't want to put the cart before the horse, but um, I think that's all totally fair. What would you say, you know, just from a perspective though, of some of the reasons why they might, not, there would be cons to them, it, you know, yep. from, a, from a physical education perspective or just, you know, a, a, a student perspective, like, is there anything that would say, all right, well, you know, there are some things to consider that free weights aren't always like the, you know, sells, buy, buy, buy. Well, yeah, it's, uh, you know, there are cons to everything, right? And I think it's important to note that like machines didn't just, uh, you know, come up out of nowhere for no reason. Um, they were in response to very real considerations that people thought of as maybe the cons or, or a more, I think appropriately for this particular conversation, like the barriers to entry for free weights. Um, in a free weight environment, you have to first learn a competent movement pattern before you can add weight, right? So you actually have to go learn things like air squats and uh, push-ups before you can load them with some sort of intensity. Machines are very attractive for beginners because you can just jump right in and start loading up a movement pattern because you are fixed. It can't do anything but the movement pattern that sure. it's asking you to do. Um, and so it's a little bit more palatable to a first timer in the gym, especially if you are on your own. So like understand this came the rise from commercial gyms and most people walk into a commercial gym. They don't have a coach that's running them through start to finish. So it became very easy to say, well, like machines are easier for new beginners. Right. There's a, there's a, um, lower kind of threshold for entry, yes. especially for someone that's like, I do want to incorporate weights and things like that. The machine allowed for people to kind of dive into that a little bit sooner. Exactly. And then I think 
um, you know, related to that, and I'm going to come back to that point in a second, related to that is if you are alone and you are walking into a, a commercial gym for the first time, it's very easy to get a quick, effective workout. You just walk one machine to the next. You're not pulling equipment, putting equipment. You're just moving a pin and moving from station to station. Sure. Um, that being said, I think that is worth noting that while those are technically the con side of free weights, we're not talking about you know the 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 beginner that's walking into commercial uh, gym on their own and just trying to figure things out. We're talking about big groups of people that are not just looking to work out but trying to learn movement, fitness, and wellness. Yeah, and it's not necessarily a bad thing that you have to learn unloaded movement before you jump into intensity. Yeah, and I think that some people would probably say, well, you know, there's, and we've talked about this in previous episodes, but there's a potential to get hurt or there's a potential to do things incorrectly or you don't have a, what if you don't have a spotter or all those different things in terms of the the cons of free weights. Yep. But that's also in the understanding that people are maybe working out on their own or they haven't been taught or anything else like that. And a lot of these settings, if we have kind of a blank slate and an opportunity, you know, a lot of those cons we can almost mitigate by saying, well, we're gonna start with foundational movements and then we're gonna load very lightly and we're gonna kind of help on-ramp people into not only doing it safely, but feeling comfortable with those free weight apparatuses that, you know, we're not talking about the 25-year-old that's decided they wanna start training for the first time. Right. We're talking about a lot of middle school, maybe high school kids that we're trying to say, what's the most effective way to set them up for kind of a lifelong introduction? Well, and I think what's what's unfortunate is that, as you stated, uh, that low barrier to entry in terms of just being able to jump in and do something has been conflated with the idea that it's safer. but. If you haven't seen the Instagram or social media fails of people on leg press machines and mm -hmm. Smith machines squatting and benching, look, the, the, the potential for injury in the most literal sense, like just it, it hurting yourself in some way exists the moment you walk out the door every day. But it's not inherently worse if you learn free weights versus machines. Yeah. I mean, you could go do too much on anything physically and then potentially risk the injury. So I do want to mention that like, yeah, there's a, you can just jump in as a newbie and, you know, perform a movement with weight because you haven't, you don't have to learn anything, yep. but it isn't necessarily safer. Sure. If that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think all of those things are pretty fair. I think we've done a good job uh, on the free weight side and we've really kind of blended them. It's hard not to kind of separate right. them completely. So Without you know being totally repetitive, let's actually transition to machines and maybe make the case for them. We've already given a few examples as to why certain people might use them or they might say you know that's a pro to it. One of the the big ones is always that intimidation factor. Like we've talked about, it's easy to sort of look at a machine and know like I know what this I can do here. It's like I can't uh, screw it up. And a lot of times they have a picture like this is what you're doing. This is the muscle you're targeting you know, and, and all of those different types of things. What are some of the other pros that you see or, or the arguments you've heard over the years be made for this is why we would be pro-machine, either at the high school level, middle school level, or just in general? Yeah, well, there, there are very real pros to machines, and it doesn't have to be like a mutually exclusive argument. Um, you don't have to be pro-machine, but you can be pro things to do with machines. Yeah. And there are a couple of reasons that machines can be superior in certain situations. The first is, they are highly, highly effective at isolating a very specific muscle or set of muscles or joint, right? And without requiring the, the rest of the body to do something. Um, and so that lends itself very, very well to the idea of rehabilitation from injury. Yeah. So if you are coming back from a, an ACL injury and you're trying to strengthen the quads and hamstrings of, you know, either leg, let's say you're, you're working out with, 
the leg that isn't been operated on, but you can't really do anything because the, the right leg's in a full brace, like, or maybe it's just not able to be load bearing yet. Yeah. You might be able to do things with machines that allow you to work the other side of your body or other parts of your body without requiring that stabilization, that full body work. Yeah. I think the injury perspective is a good one in that like, Hey, I, I can't really move around or I just need to be able to be like seated or I don't have the ability to, like you said it earlier, load and unload weights because I'm on crutches or whatever it may be. Machines have a good purpose if you know you just have to switch the plug and the weight or anything right. like that. There's that value to it. Plus the ability to target specifically in the sense of if you want to work the, the, the actual injured leg to come back from an injury, you can say, I know I need specific work on my quads and hamstrings on that leg and I need to target them directly. Yep. And so you can sit down and do that um, and not worry about like a greater you know, movement pattern where you're going to maybe compensate because you can't tell that you're shifting in one side or the other. You are just saying like, no, my right quads, my right hamstrings need work. Yeah, and I think that leads into probably the, the next one you were gonna get to a little bit is that it, a lot of times the machines actually do guide that movement pattern that we're looking for, especially again, back to injury. Sometimes, you know, we, we talk about it all the time. Like, you know, I've had a broken foot. I kind of make up for a few things on the other leg because I this foot was always a little bit weaker. Yeah. And and that's in the free weight perspective. Now, if I had a machine that basically telling me like, nope, both legs have to go this way, both legs have to come back down, it would maybe correct some of those things. Or well, it's just you you really can't fail the movement. So what that's useful for, and this is why like it's a big part of bodybuilding. You know, training at or near failure, whether or not it's uh, appropriate scientifically, we we're not sure. But um, the the, the, the theory is that if you train at or near failure most frequently, you gain the most muscle mass or whatever. Yeah. So if you can work in a machine and guarantee that you're going to get the right rep every time until you fail, yeah. that's very useful. Whereas like that's not necessarily going to be what happens on a lot of, you know, a loaded environment, weightlifting movement. Gotcha. Um, you're probably going to, your technique might fail first. Yep. For sure. So yeah, I mean, the, the pros are very much, I think, heavily in the rehab world, heavily in the, the isolation and specific uh, targeted training world. Uh, and there are, there definitely have uh, uses for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And then we'll get into the cons a little bit. We've already probably kind of touched on a few of them in terms of just things to consider. Um, one of them is that you mentioned a lot of times you can move through uh, a workout as one person through machines very quickly, but I think probably not the case for you know a big group of PE students if they all have to use the assisted pull-up machine, right? Or, you know, I use that one because that one was one that I got into with a school that I was working with and uh, was trying to figure out, should we get a bunch of bands so that kids can do assisted pull-ups that way or is there is it worth buying a, a assisted, assisted pull-up machine? machine? And the case was made for both and I think the intimidation factor and things like that and it was like, all right, we had like a really good discussion about it, but it was just one of those things where it was like, well, if 10 kids have to go use that machine, how is it going to happen? How is it going to flow? So, well, not only how is it going to flow, but like how do you actually make that a part of what you do in class on any given day, let alone regularly, if the difference is one, and I do mean massive machine that cannot be moved, mm -hmm. or 10 small rubber bands yep. that can be attached to anything for other reasons and that reason mm -hmm. and can be used all at the same time. So how do you make that a part of the, you know, kind of the daily use, the daily curriculum? Machines are very inefficient for groups. Yeah. Just, it, it is. I'm not saying that machines are bad, but they don't work in a group environment. The only way to do it 
is to snake your way through and have everybody start at one machine and just rotate through it. Sure. Um, and, and that's really the only way you can do it. Yeah. Um, so when it comes to you know, group training of any kind, machines as like a, that's all we use side of the argument become very, very difficult. And I mean, I, for people that you know, deal within budgets and work with limited uh, resources, Machines cost many thousands of dollars where you can get sets of dumbbells, set bands, med balls for a grand or two that covers everybody in your class for every exercise rather than one exercise for five grand. Yeah, absolutely. And I think those are all good points and, and you touched on a number of them in just terms of um, you know, footprint, efficiency, ability to move through groups. Um, I think also just understanding like some of the limitations that you get of knowing like, you know, outside of some of those obvious kind of ones we just talked about, like even the size of the human being can affect things all along the line. So we, we always try to give a fair shake in terms of these discussions. And, and I think I know what your answer is going to be is, is that we can, it's never one or the other, but like what is sort of like the, the way that you go about thinking about it? If, you know, I brought you into a place, Hey, what's the, what's the best way to kind of make this footprint in terms of machines, not machines? You know, how do you look at it as a, as a, former PE teacher and a, a coach still. So I think there's, there's, there's two ways you have to look at it. First is the, the lens of what you just you know, put forth, which is if I have the ability to set the stage of what our space, gym, location looks like, then yeah, I, I would always push uh, when it comes to group training with large open spaces, minimal equipment, minimal bulk, flexibility, creativity, we talked to free weights, dumbbells, barbells, uh, weights, balls, bands, etc. because you can do a lot with far, li far less. You have far more open room to do a lot more um, you know, creative uh, movement uh, and it's far easier for groups because you can get everybody the same thing at the same time, do it all together. That being said, the other side of the coin is most people don't have complete control over their situation. What I mean by that is not, I don't get a say, is I have a gym, it has what it has in it. Right. And if that's the case, totally understand that. The gym I still work at is ringed by the Nautilus, you know, universal uh, machines. And we use some of them because they can be useful and if they're there, why not? And I think maybe point in case, one small caveat I want to make is, not all machines are created equal. When we think machines, all right, we again, we, we just we think of like the actual apparatus, but as we mentioned in the, the definition, if it's something that allows you to load a movement pattern that you've already taught, cable machines are fantastic because they are just a loaded movement pattern that looks different than your standard dumbbell or so like a, you know, a, a cable row is a dumbbell row in its most literal sense. It's an inverted row in its most literal sense. It's just built a different way. And they, they can be very creative and flexible as well. Um, so like we use those all the time, just because we have them. Would I buy them again if I were in charge? No, because it just takes a lot of money and space. Yeah. But you can make use of them. So I think, you know, with whichever of those two kind of positions you find yourself in, like, you know, take a look. What can you do with what you have or what do you want to do with the opportunity that has presented itself to you and navigate from there? And then when it comes down to it, I think anything group-wise is going to be benefited from a large majority of open space and free weight equipment and some 
um, you know, machines as it suits your audience, um, space, et cetera. I mean, if you're rehabbing clients a lot or you got a lot of, like you, the athletic trainer has to work in your gym as well and do the rehab there, like you might have to have some machines in as well. So. Yeah, and I think it's fair, like, again, back to my conversation I had with these, you know, folks, teachers, administrators, it was like, we really want to make sure that we respect the different types of groups and people. Like, you know, it was like, well, why do we need treadmills even? Was in a, this is now moving a little bit away from it. And, you know, the trainer said, well, it's a great thing that I need to use sometimes in terms of getting people when it's wintry. Return to like sport. That. Return yeah. to sport. All of those different things. And then, as you said, just the efficiency aspect of free weights and also teaching movement patterns and not straying away from them for any general population. But I think often it's like a lot of times students walk into a place and sort of immediately have a mindset of what belongs to them and what belongs to a different group mm -hmm. and people are starting hopefully to really kind of move into you know the free weights are for everybody but it's also for everybody once they've worked those foundational movements they've focused in on the basics because right. that's for the football player that's going to end up with barbells and dumbbells and for the general population student that we always talk about who can also end up with barbells and dumbbells right we just have to start at the same point right. exactly awesome anything else before we wrap up no, I think that's pretty good. A good 100th episode. Uh, obviously, a lot of different things that we were talking about here. Please feel free to reach out for questions. We always have different people actually looking at maybe making some changes to their weight room, and we're always happy to help in those specific cases. Coach Brez, you've answered that question about a million times via email. Yes. So it, hopefully, this podcast helps start that, you know, and you, you have some ideas sparked from it if you do get that opportunity, uh, especially if you're heading back into the weight room at some point soon as uh, we look to kind of fingers crossed head back into to a normal life. So thanks again for listening. And remember at Platform, it's always in pursuit of better.